0: Welcome, welcome, from the bottom of my heart and everybody on the team, welcome to the winter series of Theology on Tap. We are so glad to have you guys. So um, thanks for braving the, the weather that's going to come tomorrow and being here today. Is there anybody here? It's the first time to Theology on Tap? Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, just as a reminder, there's a QR code to kind of get you into the... Uh, frame of of this thing. It's also going to have the the questions that we're going to talk about later. So I'll just quickly go through kind of the framework of tonight. We're going to have a dynamic speaker come up and and flood us with the grace of the Holy Spirit and in the the beauty of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to have discussion questions. I mean, that's where the fruit really blossoms, right? So talking about all this awesome stuff with each other. And then we're going to come back and we're just going to kind of bring it all together. So we always have a patron of Theology on Tap to look over us, intercede on our behalf. Our patron of this series. Oh, just to let you know, as you can see up here, there's four talks and then a party. If you don't come to any other talks, come to the party. All right. So uh, blessed Carlo Acutis. Is anybody familiar with Blessed Carlo? Okay, awesome. I was not, so I'm, I'm really glad to kind of delve in. I'm going to give you four quick facts real quick about uh, Blessed Carlo. He was 15 years old when he died. In the 15 years of his life, Carlo touched thousands of people with his testimony of faith and deep devotion to the Holy Eucharist. He was born in London, fact two, raised in Milan, and confirmed at the age of seven. He never missed daily Mass. His mother, Antonia, recalls, as a little boy, especially after his first communion, he never missed the daily appointment with the Holy Mass and the rosary, followed by a moment of Eucharistic adoration, amen, recalls his mother. Fact three, Carlo had a great devotion and love for the Blessed Mother. He once said, the Virgin Mary is the only woman in my life. Fact four. An avid enthusiast of technology, Carlo was a gamer and also a computer programmer, and I looked, looked up. I don't know if the facts are going to come later, because I only got four of them tonight. There's a lot of cool stuff about this, this young man, so praise God. So in that spirit, I'm going to invite Father Patrick up to lead us in the prayer for the canonization of Blessed Carlo.
1: This prayer is found on your table. Also, probably on your QR codes. So, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. O oh Father, who has given us the ardent testimony of the young and venerable Carlo Acutis, who made the Eucharist the core of his life and the strength of his daily commitments, so that everybody may love you above all else. Let him soon be counted among the blessed and the saints in your church. Confirm my faith, nurture my hope, strengthen my charity. In the image of young Carlo, who, growing in these virtues, now lives with me, grant me the grace that I need, Father, and your beloved Son, Jesus, the Virgin Mary, our dearest Mother, and the intervention of your faith, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who trespass against us and lead us now into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Holy Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be. World without end. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Patrick. All right, so our series theme is Go Forth. Very missionary. It was chosen by our young adult planning team. We've worked together over the past few months to plan this event. Throughout this series, we will discuss how the Lord gives us his very self to be nourished. He rejuvenates us and sends us out to spread his love to the world. Our speakers will explore the ways that the Lord restores us, calls us to deeper gratitude, invites us to relationship with those around us, and sends us out on mission to serve. So what does it look like to go forth and love and serve in homes, in workplaces, and in neighborhoods? So Father Jose, regrettably, he does send his regrets. He couldn't be here tonight, but he sends us Father Stephen Felicia. To speak in his place, so it's. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we're in good hands. All right, so Father Stephen, let's. I want to talk about Father Stephen a little bit. I know Father Stephen pretty well, and he was born and raised in Fort Wayne. He received the sacraments at Saint Teresa Parish and attended school there. He attended and graduated Bishop Lures Go Knights. It's a it's just a small school. We're, we're humble and we, we're, we're very gracious. So, you know, state champs and all that, but, um, high school, he, he graduated in 2004. He then attended the United States Military Academy at West Point, graduated there in 2008, commissioned as a second lieutenant in the army field artillery. He was stationed at Fort Richardson, Alaska from 2009 to 2013 as part of the four twenty fifth. 425 Airborne Brigade. I still messed it up. I didn't even ask you. <laughs> and sir. <laughs> Char head. Gosh, you are so sharp. All right. Served two. He served two year-long deployments in Afghanistan. OEF nine ten and OEF eleven twelve. In twenty thirteen, he was honorably discharged from the army and returned home. Didn't you serve as the infantry overseas though? No, I was
2: by OEF.
0: Yeah, I had to throw that. I'm, I'm infantry Marine, so infantry, we live together. So, all right. He was honorably discharged in 2013, returned home, throwing himself on the mercy of, mercy of Bishop Kevin Rhodes. He was accepted into Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And upon graduating, that fine institution was ordained 6 June 2020. He has served as parochial vicar at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in the city for the first year and a half of his priesthood and contributes to the Deus Vult podcast with Father Daniel Kale, his classmate, good friend, and parochial vicar at St. Charles Borromeo, on which they discuss any topic corresponding to Catholicism and modern culture. He's incredibly grateful for the gift that is his vocation to the priesthood, and we are extremely grateful that you're here with us tonight. So, without further ado, Father Stephen, please come up and join us.
2: One treats the Marines like brothers. You're allowed to pick on them, and no one else is. Whoop! Anyways, we'll just communicate through a series of grunts for the rest of this evening. It'll be great. No they asked me to come again on short notice, but they asked me to talk to you about a wonderful topic, gratitude. So as Catholics, we say, thanks be to God, so, so frequently. And honestly, it's something I suppose that's shared by all Christians. I know that when when things would start going wrong, downrange, forgive me, okay, so let me start this over. I'm going to talk a little bit about war. It's just going to intermingle as I go, because it formed me uh, since I was 18, and I beg pardon. My brother, seminarians, and now priests put up with it, and so will you. The, uh, but may it please God at least be entertaining, and if it also please him, educational. But no, so when you would get in a in a sticky situation, you would generally, the trick in any fight, in any fight, You don't win the fight because you know so much about fighting, my brothers and sisters. You win the fight if your friends show up first. That gives you the edge. One of our friends was artillery. And when we found ourselves, for whatever reason, outside of our element, outgunned or outnumbered, I could get on a radio or I could have one of my boys get on a radio and I could call in friends. You know why James and John want to call down fire from heaven on the village? Because it's really cool. Like, you only begin to appreciate that when you have a radio and you can do it yourself. Okay. It would come down from heaven, and the boys were so grateful. Not necessarily at the violence that had been inflicted on the enemy, but because they were going to be okay now and there was this weird desire to thank someone. And you would just sort of sit there and you would process that sometimes later. At least I would. Again, you'd go back, you'd get cleaned up, you'd sit down. Sometimes the helicopter pilots would land on the helicopter landing zone, HLZ, and you'd run out to them and you'd say thank you. Or you'd get on the net on the radio. And you'd be like, thank you, man. That was super, we needed that right when it showed up. You'd be like, yeah, man, cool. One day, we were getting ready to get out of the base. We were going to come back home. Very grateful for that. Thanks be to God. And the guy said, can I stop by? He's flying around in a little Kiowa, little gunship. It's like flying in a, I don't know, a glass jar with an engine strapped to your feet. And no door on the side. It's one of the most gutsy things you could imagine. You're really trusting, like, physics not to betray you. And we were like, yeah, man, sit down. All right, let's do this. And he comes down, and I run out to him. And I was like, I got something for him. I reached into my pocket. I had some coins. So in the military, you strike metal coins. And they've got, like, different designs on them, guns, tanks, whatever. The boy's having a good time. It's fun. And I was like, I'm going to give these to him. And I ran out to shake the man's hand and I handed him these coins and he ripped the patch off of his uniform and he handed it back to me. And I was so grateful, so filled with gratitude to this fellow soldier, to this pilot, to this man for what he had done for me and mine over the course of a year Helping us out, keeping us hale and whole, and for the mark of respect he had showed me. And you thank God as he lifts off that all the dust is getting kicked up and you don't have (laughs) anything for tears. The air is so dry and the dust clings to your eyes because you would weep. Thanks be to God for my brother soldier. For that pilot. What is gratitude? It's a weird sort of swell in your chest, and it overflows out of your lips. And you're just like, thank you. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Sometimes it's said facetiously, but it's always done, please God, cheerfully. Thank you for coming. And sometimes it speaks to a deep wellness within you. It speaks to good. You've received something that is true and beautiful and keeps you unified and whole. What do we do before we eat, before we drink? We say grace. We thank God. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we have received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know the prayer. Praise God. What are you doing? You're saying thanks because you're receiving something good. And there's another part to it, my brothers and sisters. You're in relationship with somebody. It's not just, I've received something good. I've encountered food. I've encountered beer. I've encountered, you know, pick your poison. Not your actual poison. Pick something that's good for you. (laughs) You encounter it, and you're like, this is good. This is wonderful. And you recognize something instinctively. Instinctively, you recognize it came from somewhere And in some strange way, even let's say if you've earned your bread, it isn't really yours. It didn't really belong to you a moment ago, and now it does. Where did the good thing come from? You want to express thanks. You want to offer praise. And you want to be in relationship with the person who gave it to you. When babies are born, They scream. makes sense. They've left the only world they know, and they think they're dying. (laughs) And suddenly, though, they're placed in the arms of their mother, and they quiet right down. Maybe not immediately, but shortly thereafter. They just have to process something. The baby doesn't have words to express the utter awe and perfection of being where he or she now suddenly is. But what are they encountering? They're breathing. They haven't done that in their lives. There's this thing called light that they've been fairly perceptive of, probably. And now it's everywhere. And what's it doing? It's allowing them to see that wasn't happening in the womb. And the air has a completely different feel because they're no longer immersed in liquid. And there must be something wondrous about that. Just wait till they encounter taste. You've been doing it since you were born. You still can't quit. It's wonderful. And those are just their senses. There's this whole other person that they've been in union with. But it's only now, you know, they saw indistinctly, as if in a mere darkly, But now they are beginning to know as in fact they are known. Their mother was what they thought she was, good. But she's so much more. More than the child could have possibly fathomed. And suddenly in this big wide world, there's more than just the mother. We can barely cope with the idea of the number of a hundred people. There's seven and a half billion people, give or take, on this planet. Each one is interesting. A lot of them don't know they're interesting, but God doesn't make something that's boring. So the child encounters the world. I a mean, child doesn't have a vocabulary. It will learn one, please God. But the child encounters the world if the child had a vocabulary right then? Gratitude, thank you. I have encountered something that is good. And now my heart rises up and I change. And all I wanna do is sing. The baby will start to smile. Why? Well, the parents, please God, are smiling at him or her. But there is a return being made, instinctive, as if made to do it. The simplest thank you of a child, the twisting of the upper corners of a lips and a little giggle or laugh. And already humanity is somehow bettered by both the receiving of a gift and by the giving back. That is the meaning of gratitude. It is the beginning, my brothers and sisters, of every prayer. Every prayer begins with gratitude. Even the ones where you're just asking for more. Even the ones where you're just begging God to make it stop. As some of you might be doing now. That's okay. That might be the last joke. I have no idea. It just happens. (laughs) Gratitude. What is it? It's praise. It's thanksgiving. It's asking. It's wanting. It's this desire to be in connection with the very good of the world. And through that world, to keep going higher. Why do I begin with the baby? One, because nothing fills you more with wonder. You look at this whole other person and the parents hold in their hands and there was a time when that child was not. There was a time when that child was not. He doesn't remember September 11th or he doesn't remember, forgive me, I'm going to go through a military terms. Iran-Contra. I don't know why that one's in my skull. Forgive me. <laughs> Anyways, wasn't there for any of it. Started today kind of thing. Started nine months ago. And now the child is. The parents know where the baby came from, of course. And they are so filled with wonder to hold him or her in their arms. They are so blessed by the reception of the fruit of the womb. And the instinct, the instinct is to say thank you, is to give praise, is to honor someone. In ancient times, because they were so valuable, they were the ones that were offered up. Especially when we lost any sense of right and wrong. Why? The most valuable thing, I give it back. I offer sacrifice. And God himself says, stop that. He says, I gave that to you but I understand this urge, I understand this desire. Let me show you what it means to give. Let me do it properly for you, my children, who are only beginning to learn how to lisp the language of love. This is how you will say thank you. We are given so many good things, given. You don't pay for it, you can't earn it. It's always a dangerous person who doesn't know how to say thank you. Person who looks at the world or what they've received and they say, I made this. This is my house. I paid for it. You're eating my food that I paid for with my money. It's not the beginning of gratitude. It's the beginning of the dissolution of the family. Gratitude demands a facing outward. Selfishness is always turning inward. And the goal of selfishness, oddly enough, is to benefit yourself, is to make yourself more, and somehow it makes you less. It's like a math equation that doesn't work. I'll add this to myself. I'll add that to myself. And somehow you are no longer who you should be. Why? Because you're grasping, because you're reaching out to take instead of just simply opening your hand to receive. Gratitude has to do with gift and being open and small to receive like a child. All God the Father wants to do is give. The whole universe seems to imply that. Outside of its brokenness and sin, how does one still explain the good that is present? I didn't come up with it. I didn't give my parents to myself. How grateful I am to have them. How much I want to be in relationship with them. And if I can, to somehow pay them back. Why are we willing to die for each other? Think back. Again, forgive me, here's the war again. I think back to it. And tell you a story. We were out on patrol. One of our MRAPs, it's a big up-armored vehicle, designed to take a bomb blast. Got hit by a bomb blast. It did what it was supposed to, praise God. We don't, radios knocked out like that. You can't communicate with your boys in that truck. There's like 45, 50 of us out here. Suddenly 10 of them are offline and the truck's on fire. And you're just like, all kinds of words go through your mind and they're not, thank you. Training kicks in, you pull off to the side, you set up a cordon, and immediately the boys are heading for the door, ready to drop the ramp and get out there and get in there. And you scream at them. You stay right where you are. Because I don't know what's out there just yet. This thing can be getting more complicated really quick. This thing can get out of control just like that. The boys know this. They simply cease to care because in that truck is their family and they are wanting to get to them. They are wanting to help them, to take care of them. And it is an incredible experience to try and protect everyone in an impossible situation. So you tell them to stay right where they are until you know what's up. And you're never going to know what's up given that situation, but you're going to make the best call you can. But first you need just a couple, just give me a couple seconds. And then you tell them, okay, go. Ramp drops and they run. And you open up the other truck. And you didn't think anyone could live through something like that because the truck looks so messed up on the outside. And out of the back of that truck, from ten soldiers. And you are so grateful. You are so happy. It's like somebody opened a tomb and everybody inside whom you loved is still alive and somehow better than they were when they went in. Gratitude is miraculous. Who on earth do you thank when you're giving your family back. I know who I thank. He sits in the tabernacle of every church. And it's so bizarre to think that even though he knows how it all ends, he is so happy those boys are just fine too because they're his. He himself. Gratitude. It is. It's a reception of something, and then it is a giving of self in return. Somebody does something for you nice. Imagine your car, you get a flat. Imagine you don't know how to change a flat. And some random person just stops and gets out and says, you got a flat. Well, that's obvious. He says, you know what, hang on. He gets the jack out of his car, and he pulls your spare out, and he switches the tire. And because we live in a cashless society, you got nothing to give him in return. And all you can say to him, all you can list back, like a little baby who doesn't know how to speak, so you just curl your upper lips, and you say thank you. Because that's all you can give him, is you've received this great gift. And oh, how I would make repayment in some way, shape, or form. And the stranger says, yeah, no, no worries. He gets back in his car, he leaves. You might not ever see that human being again, and you are connected, connected by some sort of divine twist of fate, some sort of strange meaning which underwrites our existence. Do you want to be alive? Do you actually want to feel something in your life? That's why most people get into trouble, honestly. Gratitude, it's right in front of us. It's short circuits everything evil, and it turns one's heart back to the one who gave you everything good that you have. And you say to yourself, I don't have anything good. Lies. Don't tell me that. Soldiers can be grateful in the worst possible moments in their life. Mothers can lose children. Blessed be the Lord our God who gave me this great gift, and blessed be him who takes him away. Blessed be the Lord our God, who is goodness himself. He gave me this child, and as the Lord lives, I give him back. Gratitude for the time I'm given. In seminary, you'll forgive me. I've spent a lot of time in academia and less time working. When I added it all up, it's something like 10 years studying and then 7 years actually working. It's kind of funny. I'm trying to make up for it, though, but time only moves at a certain rate, so it limits you. You leave this world of intensity and violence and extremes, and the first two years are amazing because it's just different. I remember talking to my, my brothers, and something would go wrong. Some professor would give us a bad test or something. or. Logic is awful. It's like math, but with words. And you're like, why would you do this? I was good at literature, and you ruined it. (laughs) And you'd walk out of there, and and the sun would be shining, and the birds would be chirping. And there would be students walking back and forth, and we'd be going back to to the seminary. And they'd be like, man, that was awful. And I said, yeah, but there's not a bomb in this road hiding somewhere. Like... (laughs) Like, we're just going to walk back, and we're not going to be looking up or anything. It's going to be great. Like, I'm not looking for the
0: snipers. It's great.
2: You'd be grateful for these small things. Okay, that was the first two years of my life. It was grand in seminary. And then you forget, because I'm, I'm just a weak human being, like everybody else, just like everybody else. And you're like, oh, great, another paper. Oh, another 12 pages. Oh, another 12 pages that I have to hammer out tonight. <laughs> it's good. I didn't like sleeping anyways. The, and it gets done. Please God to standard. And if you go through that for several months, and you might be locked down, say, for some reason or another, you say to yourself, this is boring. I feel nothing. I do my duty out of routine at best. And maybe from fear of punishment at worst. And you find yourself kneeling down, because let's say your spiritual director's been taken away from you for whatever reason. And you find yourself kneeling down at the foot of your bed, and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. I feel smaller than I was when I first came in. And I remembered something someone had told me. Pretty sure it was my spiritual director. He said, count your blessings once. Which is such a trite, snide little comment. You always want to punch a guy who says something like that. (laughs) Count my blessings? I'm a man. You know, I don't, whatever. I had a notebook. I pulled it over to the bed. wasn't the best writing surface, And I got a, a pen. And on my knees, they say you do your best theology on your knees. I just started to write down. I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful for my dad. I'm grateful for for the army. I'm grateful for scripture. I'm grateful for his mercy. And I had only meant to write down 25 things. And I started going on and on. And I think I got up to like 75. And I probably could have kept going. But there were tears on the page by the time I had stopped. I was alive again. I wanted to feel something. And I just started by thanking God for every good thing I could possibly think of that could come to my mind because He hadn't taken anything away from me. Can you be grateful in your suffering, in your smallness, in your sin? You're not grateful for the sin, of course. But so long as there's breath in your body, you are not dead. So what are you going to do with the time he allots you? How are you going to make sense of a suffering world? And I always keep returning to it. There's something good here. I didn't go off to Afghanistan to pay for college. (laughs) I went off because I loved my family. I loved my country. And a country is nothing more than a collection of families. And I was so grateful for the opportunity it had given me. And I wanted to do something in return. I wanted to pay back in a certain way and also pay back the other guys who had hurt my families. By the way, revenge, not a good motive. You'll be miserable, I promise. But ultimately, a soldier doesn't fight if he's any good, if he's not a monster. Soldier doesn't fight because he hates what's in front of him. He fights because he loves what's behind him, what he stands in front of to defend. I so grateful for all of you. I really was. And when I stopped being grateful for you, that's when I fell into sin. That's when I lost my motivation. That's when I lost my fire. But I remember in training, I turned my ankle five times. And you're walking, and you've got 10 miles more to go in the dark. Uphill. It sounds like your parents talking to you both ways. (laughs) And... And I remember saying, this is so stupid and bizarre, but it's true. I remember saying, thank you that it's me and not my family. And it's not my friends. Thank you for this opportunity. Jesus Christ stumbles up Calvary, bloody and scourged and beaten. And he's not saying, man, I hate Jim. He's making me do this. (laughs) It's better be worth it, Alex. He says, oh, God, my father, thank you for Alex. Thank you for Jim. Thank you for these, my brothers and sisters, who do not know what they are doing and who have been lost. He gets up to the top of this hill, and his blood loss is extreme. And his head must pound like the worst migraine in the world because somebody crushed a crown of thorns into it. they throw the cross down on the ground, and they shake the stakes, the nails which they're going to hammer through his hands and his feet. And he's not happy that he gets to lie down and rest. He's happy that he gets to lie down and truly begin. The church fathers said that the Christ jumps on his cross like a bridegroom jumps into his wedding bed. We call the most holy sacrament the Eucharist. It means Thanksgiving. What are you grateful for? For the reception of something good that you couldn't earn, that comes out of the blue. That makes you so especially grateful. And you want to be in relationship with those goods, with that good, with that person, with a trinity of persons. And one of those persons becomes flesh and blood. And all he does is give in his 33 years on this earth. That's all he does. And he is more alive than any of us. woman comes in. He's at a party. They're eating and drinking, praise God. And everybody in that room knows who that woman is. She's one of those. She heads over to him. And she starts to cry. Because she has so much of the world's gifts and she knows she has nothing. All her lovers, all her clients, they've given her enough money for an expensive sweet-swelling perfume. She doesn't want it. It's cost her too much. And her tears start to roll out of her eyes. Because here's somebody who actually loves her. gratitude, gratuity. She breaks open the ointment pot, which is partly her livelihood, and she pours it all out. She doesn't just do drip, drip, drip. All of it, done. One go. How much can I give you? It's nothing in comparison. All on the feet of this traveler. And that rustic rabbi looks at his host and he says, Simon, I have a question for you. And he says, suppose two men had a debt, and one owed $50 and the other $5,000, and the man they owed it to forgave it both. Who loves him more? And Simon the snide Pharisee says, well, I suppose the one who had the larger debt. He says, bingo. He says, you see this poor girl. You didn't, you know, anoint my feet when I came in. She hasn't stopped bathing My feet in her tears, and she wipes them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. She lavishes them upon my feet. Nothing to anoint my beard or my head with. She's anointed my feet. He looks at her and he says, go your way. Your faith has saved you. Your sins are forgiven. More valuable than any ointment pot. Eucharist means thanksgiving. In comparison, what could she possibly give? Nothing. What has she received? Everything. It's the same in every confession. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And in the Eucharist. What is the source of that forgiveness? It's that summit of the hill of Calvary. It's the God-man hanging upon a tree and pouring himself out. Most precious blood. Present on every altar and in every tabernacle in the Catholic Church. The Eucharist. What do you do when you come into his presence? Do you say thank you? Does it move your heart? Brothers and sisters, I tell you truth from my own experience. It can and it will and it ought to be because he made you and he made me and he takes us from childhood on into eternity and he never stops giving. And your heart must always be responding for it is the beginning and the end of every prayer, whether in sadness or in joy. Blessed be the Lord our God. Thanks be to him who saved me. God bless you this evening.